Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the third day of January 2014, and today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, Bill's Story. We are on page five, the very last paragraph that begins, Renewing My Resolve. And today's readers are... 12 Steps, Carolyn, 12 Traditions, Margaret, and then Hoodie, Sharon, Sally, and Katie G. And the share code for yesterday, Thursday, the 2nd of January, is 5686, 5686. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no positions on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Carolyn to please read the 12 steps. Star 1 to unmute, Carolyn. Hello, this is Carolyn. Um, Go ahead. Um, compulsive overeater. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and where we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Carolyn. I will now ask Margaret Kay to please read the Twelve Traditions. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Vision for You. It's Margaret Kay, recovered in South Jersey. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. 
a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for LA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or LA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeaters who still suffers. Six, an LA group but never endorse, finance, or lend LA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, thus problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every LA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, overeaters anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, LA as such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute, and once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And we have been having some technical issues, so please everyone, please keep your phones muted unless you are going unless you are speaking. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We are in Bill, the chapter Bill's story. We are on page five, the very bottom paragraph that begins renewing my resolve. And I will ask Hoodie to begin reading, please. Good morning, Monica. This is Hoodie, a recovered compulsive overeater. Renewing my resolve, I tried again. Some time passed and confidence began to be replaced by cocksureness. I could, laugh, I could laugh at the gin mills. Now I had what it takes. One day, I walked into a cafe to telephone. In no time, I was beating on the bar, asking myself how it happened. As the whiskey rose to my head, I told myself I could manage better next time. But I might as well get good and drunk then. And I did. And um, hi, my name is Hoodie again. Welcome all newcomers to the line. And renewing my resolve, like with all my... You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this again. I'm gonna try more determination, more willpower to get to get to, to get to get sober, to keep to um to get this disease out. Um I'm gonna try harder this time 
with all my willpower, with all my determination. And yet, again, um, and I and I relate to Bill. Over here, one day I walked into a cafe to telephone, and um, he's um, and I see here how Bill how Bill is writing how he is setting he is setting himself in he's setting himself up. He made a decision. He had a choice, and he made a decision to go into this cafe, and um, and yes, he may he had this um, excuse that he was going to use a telephone. And um, and then um, all of a sudden he started he took a took a drink and and here he's like okay so um um, um now that I um you know now that I'm you know I took that drink and the phenomenal craving developed okay next time I'll be better I'll you know but let me let me continue on and how many times you know in even in the rooms of OA when um you know I just remember. Uh, um, two years back when, you know, I was flying to um, a community and, you know, I picked up um, an abstinence food and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, so my sponsor would tell me how to start over again, so I'd better just continue and go on. And um, I'm grateful that at that point I made a choice, no, I'm not going to do it because I knew that what 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 it's not going to be good for me. And I said, no. Whatever whatever she says is gonna be the way is gonna be what happens. But today I'm gonna stay sane and and continue on. And I'm just, you know, yes, I could screw up one day, and uh, but this willpower isn't stronger than um is isn't stronger than this obsession of mind. And I can't and I cannot eat because of the allergy of the body. But I, and I can't quit because of this obsession of mind. And um. But that I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Hoodie. And would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sally. Katie. Sally and then Katie. Thank Go you, ahead, Monica. Sally. Thank you, Monica. Good morning. Good morning, A Vision. For you, this is Sally, a recovered compulsive overeater. And here we see Bill is going on another diet. Renewing my resolve, I tried again. And how many of us can relate to that? Okay, I'm going back on a diet. And he's pulling up his bootstraps. He's decided to roll up his sleeves. He's going to try this again. And some time passed, and confidence began to be replaced by cocksuredness. Um, that equals ego, easing God out. He's he's confident. Oh, he's doing well. He's, he must have... Um, a little bit of uh, maybe some hours under his belt. I'm not sure he has any days under his belt at this point, but um, he's at this point has some confidence. And um, the fact that he says, I could laugh at the gin mills. He's feeling really, really sure of himself for a minute. And now I had what it takes. One day I walked into a cafe to telephone. In no time I was beating on the bar asking myself how it happened. As the whiskey rose to my head, I told myself I would manage better next time, but I might as well get good and drunk then, and I did. I really identify in with this because I remember many, many diets, many, many fresh starts. And I remember uh, blowing up my diet at some point in the day and deciding I may as well binge my brains out and get everything in, eat everything I want to get in because I'll start again tomorrow. So I may as well go out and get everything and binge. And so we see here very, very clearly uh, the stages of a binge. 
XXVIII, bottom of the page, they're restless, irritable, and discontent unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which come at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity after they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops. They pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful. And we see that exact pattern happening over and over on this page here, page five. We see him, like us, we see him going through this, these, these moments of, um, of saying things like, I still thought. I could control. He's still thinking. What about you? Are you still thinking today? Are you still thinking that you can control this thing? Are you still reasoning your way through this? Because Bill, here we are in this first eight pages, he's still thinking. And that's a big mistake to think that we can reason our way through this because what we're dealing with is not something that we can reason our way out of. This really is something that we're going to have to hit our knees and we're going to have to go to a higher power to give us the escape key that we require. And, um, you know, this, this page, again, we see over and over he's spiraling down. He continues to spiral down. Where had been my high resolve at the bottom of the page where he, where he, he just continually has this I, 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 I is going on on this page as you see him talking about I woke up, I saw I had written, and, and so I did. And over and over, I came home drunk. He's, got, he's in the eyes at this point because at this point, he has not reached the point where he realized, I can't do this. I can't fix this. And neither can many of us. We can't do this on our, on our own. We truly do need a higher power to do this for us. And I'll just end with this. We're going to, he's going to be going into the next spiral that's coming in the next paragraph. We see the word, the remorse coming toward us in the next, in the next paragraph. And that's all part of that cycle that I just read. And so with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. Katie, go ahead. Good morning. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Um, as the whiskey rose to my head, I told myself I would manage better next time, that I might as well get good and drunk then, and I did. And, you know, I cringe when I hear people say, well, I had a problem yesterday, but, or I had a problem last week, but I'm back on track now. Um, because that is putting it as if this is my uh, will and my... Um, uh, determination that is keeping me abstinent. And, you know, that's what I did for years in OA is I would, um, you know, get abstinent and think, well, I'm doing great now and, you know, thought that everything was just fine. And then the day would come when I'd pick up the food. And it was, could be over the stupidest reason. Um, and the difference today is when I got abstinent, um, which was October 7th, 1987, I didn't go out the next day and tell everybody I'm abstinent, I got this thing licked. Uh, I was in awe and amazement. It wasn't I. I knew it wasn't I that was doing it. It was um, God doing for me what I could not do for myself. And until Bill sees this, which he has not seen it yet, 
he has not seen that he needs a power outside of himself, outside of himself, that he is not capable of uh, staying on the wagon for keeps with him himself and um, and doing it on his own. So in this paragraph alone, as Sally said, there are eight eyes. You know, I, 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 I. And, you know, yes, I can laugh at the gin mills today, but, um, but I don't laugh at them like they have no, um, like I could just walk around in there and have a, have a few, and it wouldn't have an effect on me. So we're seeing the progression of this disease that um, even after a few days or a few weeks of, of him being on the wagon, it's not enough. And self-knowledge is not enough. I need a power greater than myself. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. And who else would like to comment on this paragraph? Melanie. Leah. <laughs> okay, I heard Melanie, and I heard Leah, and there were a couple other people. Well, Lauren S. Laura or Lauren? Lauren S. Lauren. And was there one other person? There was Paula, but I can hold off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Melanie, Leah, Lauren, and Paula. Melanie, go ahead. Good morning. Thank you, Monica. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Oregon. I'm um, applying this to my practice as a compulsive overeater and focusing on the sentence that says, in no time at all, I was beating on the bar asking myself how it happened. And so what would this mean to me if I had put down what I was having and, and had decided in a firm resolve to, again, this is Monday, folks, I'm going to start this diet plan again, and I'm going to get this thing licked, and I'm convinced now, and I'm cocky now, and I've had a couple of days under my belt, and I'm feeling even stronger about that. And the continuation of the insanity is getting deeper and deeper and deeper into my thinking and into my reality because that's what I shove down. But remember, for me, Melanie, the food plan that I designed has all of my binge foods in it, everything that I've ever had because I'm going to have a moderate meal and I'm going to have a bonus at the end of the week that it consists of the things that I always overdo and I'm going to have some um, some seemingly insane kind of thinking around this is a success, this is a success and I'm going along and, and um, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Now today it's a little bit tougher for me but a little bit tougher and now I'm going to start applying the words um, you know, white-knuckling it and white-knuckling, but I'm still going on and I'm still telling myself things are successful, that I'm having this thing by the, you know, I have the reins on this and nothing's going to get in my way and I continue to deepen that insane thinking. And then what in the world happened? I'm pounding on the bar and I have no idea because I have buried reality underneath all of that food and all those trigger things and all of those binge foods and all that stuff and I'm con- completely completely without any reality here at this point, and about 900 miles underneath the food. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Melanie. Leah, go ahead, Leah. Thanks so much, Monica. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. In no time, I was beating on the bar asking myself how it happened. As the whiskey rose to my head, I told myself I would manage better next time. Um, 
you know, these strange mental blank spots. <laughs> um, we know them as the obsession of the mind. I mean, everybody, you know, in Bill's life and in our life focuses on the problems that alcoholism um, causes. You know, he's lost his job. Uh, you know, his marriage is on the rocks. He, you know, is is living in his in-laws' um, dwelling uh, laying on the couch, you know, unable, his his health is deteriorating. There's all these problems that his alcoholism is causing. But the real problem is, even after all the damage that has occurred in his life, even after all the consequences, um, you know, have occurred in Bill's life and, and the people who love him, um, he still uh, goes out and picks up that first drink. <laughs> and, you know, that is the obsession of the mind, and that is the whole element here of insanity. That That is what we're talking about when we talk about insanity. That's what powerless means. It means he's in a situation where he has no defense against that first drink. He doesn't know how it happened. Somehow the drink just catapulted itself off the uh, bar and down his gullet. Uh, he is powerless. He has no defense against that first drink. Um, and that is the insanity that the big book teaches about, that this mental obsession takes possession of him without his consciousness and without his permission. He is being driven by a compulsion. And that's exactly what happens. He is possessed by the obsession. He is driven by this compulsion. And, um, you know, some of us think that we're making a decision. You know, we're changing our mind uh, and making a decision to pick up. The real truth is we're not changing our mind. We are compelled to uh, pick up that first bite beyond our ability to control it. You know, I, I mean, I relate exactly to this uh, paragraph, you know, because when I said, that's it, no more binging, I've had enough tears, you know, I've had enough threats of divorce, uh, everybody's going to be happy now, all of a sudden I would change my mind. <laughs> and having that first compulsive bite seemed like the best idea I'd had in a long time. You know, and I would take that bite, and of course I'd be in all the pain and misery I had just, you know, the day before. Um, you know, his mind is broken. He has a flawed mind. He cannot learn from his consequences. He can't learn from his experience. He needs a new mind and a spirit-guided mind, and we get that through the process of these 12 steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Lauren S., go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Lauren S. from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a recovery compulsive reader. Whew, this little paragraph. In Bill's story, I can identify with every single sentence. And then when I'm telling Lauren's story to somebody in the rooms, somebody out of the rooms who are struggling, I try to focus on just my compulsive overeating, and that's what Bill's doing. He's focusing on the alcohol, the alcoholism. He's not focusing on other problems going on in his life with his relationships, some vacation he has to take, maybe some, maybe some surgery his brother's going through. And how many times does the purpose of Overeaters Anonymous get fuddled so then people start going off about weddings they have to attend and 
surgeries, hip surgeries, all I have in common with you guys is compulsive overeating. So that's all I'm going to focus on. And I once heard someone say that Bill actually had a lot of problems going on in his life not related to alcohol. But he does not discuss them in this story. He just discusses his alcoholism. That's why we're here. I'm here because of my compulsive overeating. And, uh, yeah, cocksuredness and overconfidence, overconfidence. If you were to tell me, Lauren, while, let's say, I had 30 days of abstinence, Lauren, do you think you can pick up that ice cream again in, in a couple weeks after you lose the weight? If you were to give me a lie detector test, I would say absolutely, absolutely. So um, thanks. I'll, I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren. Paula, your turn. Go ahead. Thank you, Monica, and thank you for your service. And much has been said, but I'm going to scoot on down to those last three words, the last sentence. And I did. You know, here, I don't look down at Bill and what his life has wrought. Nor do I look up at Bill. I can meet Bill eye to eye here. Here we come together. Bill W. and I? Yes. For every eye that was red, oh, I had serious eye trouble, as Bill did. But see, there was no glasses that could fix this eye trouble, no surgery. Only the creator himself. But it starts with renewing my resolve, everything. I tried again, and it goes on. I had what it takes. Oh, you bet I did. What it takes for what? But the part that sits there as the whiskey rose to my head, then it joined. Then it joined a thought that was already there. It was there to begin with. It had to have a beginning. And then I acted on that. And then the whiskey rose to my head. And always, I told myself I would manage better next time. Again, the lie that I wanted to believe that I knew wasn't true. And with that, I do pass. And I thank you. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? This is Larry. Larry, go ahead. And then Michelle. Larry and then Michelle. Hi, this is Larry, compulsive overeater from Chicago. Um, I love what we've said so far, so I'll just try to give just a quick spin on it. Uh, From my perspective, is uh, yeah, we we see the progression of the disease, and uh, I've been there many times. Um, I've gone to, um, I don't know about you, but, you know, for me, I've gone to meetings, multiple meetings in a day. I've read the literature. I've picked up every single tool, every one of them. I've intended. My intentions were good. I wanted to be good. I wanted to do this so bad. And then I'd, I'd find myself picking up, sort of banging my, you know, banging my fist on the bar, the bakery, in the bakery, the, you know, wherever I was, one fast food you know, drive through to the next. That was, you know, and, and then I, what's the matter with me? Well, we know what's the matter with me. Of course, we hear it again and again, an allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. But what do I do about it? And, you know, just hang on tight, you know, because um, like I said, I've, I've been to, and I've been to conferences and I've been to, you know, knowledge. Just do it. Just push yourself away from the table. You know, all those things. None of them worked. None of them worked for me. Where I'll finish up, I'll just say, perhaps there is a better way on page 68. We think so. 
for we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. And so for me, I couldn't get that. I thought, working these steps, and I've said it again and again, I beat a dead horse. I'm sorry if, if I, if I uh, say it too much, but it's just my experience that how could working these steps bring about a spiritual transformation for Larry that could enable him to not uh, pick up one day at a time? What, 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 what's going on there? It did happen for me, and it could happen for you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Larry. And Rochelle, my ears again. Rochelle, go ahead. <laughs> Good morning. This is Rochelle, recovered um, food addict um, in Maryland. Um, I identify with, the, as the whiskey rose to my head, I told myself I would manage better next time. Oh, boy, but I might as well get good and drunk then. I remember the moment. I remember the moment in my kitchen where I made, uh, it must have been a tumbler size of chocolate icing, you know. Like, I went out on my way purposely to do this, you know, and I figured, oh, this is going to be good. And you know what? It was awesome. And I really could feel the sugar rise to the top of my head. I thought it was an A-bomb coming out of the top of my head. It was so powerful. It was, oh, you know, it was, like, amazing. And and I figured, okay, I, you know, wow, that was great. I really enjoyed that. But afterwards, I felt the remorse, and I felt like, how could I have done that? How could I have done this, you know? And I figured, okay, you know, I, I got to try something else. It's not working for me. And, and um, you know, I'd be okay next time. I'm not going to do this again. And guess where I was the next day? In my kitchen, doing it again. And I did it over. And I, at that point, I realized I am hopeless. There is nothing I can do to stop myself. It was at that moment I recognized my self-will availed me nothing. There was nothing more I could do to use my sense of self-discipline. I was finished. It was done. I needed help, and I couldn't do it myself. With that, I passed. Thank you. Thank you, Rochelle. And this is Monica, and I will like to say um, uh, um, here we are. We're in Bill's story here. You know, he's looking back over his shoulder here, and he's looking back, and he's telling us here his story. So renewing my resolve, I've tried again. And basically in this paragraph, like it's been said, this is the obsession of the mind going on here, that obsession of the mind that we, the second fold part of the disease, the bigger aspect of our disease, it's a disease. I didn't ask for it, and it's not my fault that I have it, but I do have responsibilities. But here, he's looking back and he's seen the progression here of disease. We're being showed here, line by line, his powerlessness. This obsession of the mind we are totally powerless about. When this compulsion, this thought, enters our brain, it is so powerful that nothing else, it overrides everything else. And we're totally powerless, and that's what he's trying to show here. I am totally powerless. My, my best resolve, my best determination, all the willpower is absolutely I, nothing against it. And I, 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 and, you know, we keep thinking, that's the disease talking to me, you know, that's the disease talking to me. Okay, well, next time I'll do better. That's the obsession of the mind talking to me here. That's the insanity, the crazy thinking that I have, that it'll be different the next time. 
And we are so, so powerless over this. And this is why we need a power that's greater than us that can override this obsession. But we've got to get to the point that we realize that we are powerless and our lives are unmanageable. And with that, I shall pass. And Sharon, let's move on to the next paragraph, please. Good morning, Monica. Thank you for your service. Good morning, visionaries. This is Sharon, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. The remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. The courage to do battle was not there. My brain raced uncontrollably, and there was a terrible sense of impending calamity. I hardly dared cross the street, lest I collapse and be run down by an early morning truck. But it was scarcely daylight. An all-night place supplied me with a dozen glasses of ale. My worthing nerves were stilled at last. A morning paper told me the market had gone to hell again. Well, so had I. The market would recover but I wouldn't. That was a hard thought. Should I kill myself? No, not now. Then a mental fog settled down. Gin would fix that. Two bottles and oblivion. Should I kill myself? Should I kill myself? That's the final... The final sentence, the end of this illusion, this, the end of the obsession of the mind, the only place this disease will take us is to the gates of hell and death. There is no way but either face reality or die. There is no other conclusion. On page 30, no person likes to admit, likes to think he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Countless vain attempts to prove we can drink like other people. This avoidance of reality What are we trying to do? We're trying to prove, that's our great obsession, that we can drink or eat like other people, that we don't have to face the reality of who and what we are, the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. This is an illusion. The illusion that I can eat one Oreo and stop is my great obsession. I can never do that. As much as I want to, as much as I fight it, what it ends up with is me letting go, giving myself over to the Oreo cookies, eating every one until they're finished because I can't think of anything else as long as there is an Oreo in the house. 
I don't know where my kids are, but I know where those Oreos are. I can remember that. I know the Oreos are just giant in my head. And then the insanity is that I want to pretend that they're not giant in my head. I want to pretend if I eat them all, then I won't think about them anymore. I want to just continue on and on in this vain attempt. It's my great obsession. I, the craziness is that it, the persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. Because I don't want to admit. Now, all I have to do is admit utter defeat. And then, perhaps, and then for sure there is hope for me. But I want to get up once again. The insanity is that I want to keep going on and on. The only option is admitting complete defeat or oblivion of the next bite. What is the what is the choice? There's there's we do have a choice. It's only utter defeat. As long as we think we in our own self can find a way out. As long as we believe that in ourselves, I can do it again. I can I'll try this. I'll try that. I'll go to a treatment center. I'll do this. I, 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 As long as we think that we have one more idea, one more option, we will never be free. It doesn't sound like it makes sense. But remember, we don't know what, what makes sense. To us, it makes sense to take the next bite. But until we admit that our brain is completely broken and we are out of options 100%, until that point, we cannot begin the path of recovery. We are utterly defeated. And and when we admit that, we can begin the road of recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. And who would like? To, who else would like to comment on this paragraph? My name Kim is from Boston. I'm a compulsive overeater. <clears throat> I heard Katie from Boston and someone else, and I did not catch your name. Kim. Kim and another name. Najia. Najia. Okay, Najia first, and then Katie, and then Kim. Thank you so much. My name is Najia. I'm a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. Thank you all so much for being out there. Um, The courage to do battle was not there. You know, I was thinking of Bill, like myself, I kept getting into the ring with this disease every day. And every day I got beat up unmercifully. You know, I think it's the 12 and 12 says I was at the mercy of a merciless obsession, but I got beat up unmercifully by this merciless obsession. 
and the courage. It, it wasn't courage I needed. Um, self-knowledge and all of that, they tell me, was of no avail. I, that's not what I needed. I needed God to do the battle because this battle is not mine. This battle is uh, my higher power whom I choose to call God. That's his battle. It was never mine to fight this disease. I don't have what it takes. And I'm grateful to know today that I have absolutely, positively nothing in my being. There's nothing in my soul. There's nothing there that will ever, ever, ever uh, give me the victory over this insidious, cunning, baffling, powerful disease that still to this day wants me dead. I know she wants me dead. She's alive and well. She's a spirit. For me, she is a spirit. And I got into the ring with that spirit. And every time I got into the ring with her, she got me and she got me good. And so then I look at these words, remorse, horror, hopelessness. Remorse, horror, hopelessness. I had that. I had that over and over and over and over again. When I got into, when, when God brought me to, uh, when God humbled me, I got humbled. When the pain became unbearable, I thank God for his wisdom that allowed me to be in that ring one last time and, and, and just be in so much pain that I had to admit defeat. Thank you, God, for bringing me to that place. Um, God began to do for me what I couldn't do for myself, and I found that and working the 12 steps. And so as a result of working the steps and letting God do for me what I couldn't do for myself, words like remorse, horror, and hopelessness are really no longer a part of my my walk, my vocabulary, um, because God doesn't leave me feeling remorseful. When I turn things over to my higher power, I don't feel remorse. I don't feel horror. I don't feel hopelessness. I feel hopeful. I feel peaceful. I feel joyful. And thank you, God. Thank you, God, that God has reminded me. Step two says I get restored. I also believe I get reminded. God takes my mind and he heals me so that I can continue to those words like willingness. Very powerful, very powerful words. You know, I give God all of me so that he can do for me. Again, this battle was never mine. And I thank God today that just for today, understand that I know that in my heart that I will never, ever, ever be able to um, have the victory when I'm in the ring with the disease. I have the victory today because I surrendered. I'm powerless. Thank you, God. For everything it took for me to get to this knowing that you, God, are the only source, the only thing that can, can keep me um, in this place of abstinence and at this place of peace one day at a time. Thank you all for being out there, and thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nagia. Katie, go ahead. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G, recovered compulsive reader. Grateful to be here on the line. I've been sober this morning, and I um, really appreciate what everybody's saying. You know, waking up in the morning um, in shock um, when I wasn't, um, you know, in when I wasn't in recovery or um, when I wasn't recovered, and thinking, "Oh my God, who did I, 
what did I eat, who did I sleep with, what happened, what did I say, and just having absolutely no memory, right, and waking up um, with food all around me, with food in my mouth, and, um, and yeah, a terrible sense of impending calamity, and what does that mean? It doesn't even matter if I can fathom what the calamity or disaster is, but I know what's coming for me, and it's coming now. Right, and um, as so many of our um, previous shares have have so eloquently stated, like it's all about me and how am I going to manage this impending calamity, and how does he manage it? Oblivion. And I love this idea because we talk about it several times in the book. Um, and oblivion means unaware, unconsciousness. That my best solution is to blot out my thinking. Right, because my thinking gets so bad in abstinence, in a state of untreated ism, whatever you know, my my compulsive overeating ism um, gets so bad, gets so filled with selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and anger. Poor, poor sex choices, poor choices in friendships, poor choices in jobs, getting fired four different times, <clears throat> and. Uh, my thinking about myself gets so bad that, you know what? Eating is a step up from how I feel about myself. I want oblivion. I just want to not think I want a lobotomy. I don't want to be in the present moment. I don't want to be in reality. And thank you, God, that I am not there today. You know, I practice the willingness to bear discomfort today because God has so mercifully removed my addiction from me, my, my alcoholic foods a day at a time. He's given me a choice to accept him into my life. And the only way that I was able to do that and that I was able to move from this place of waking up in this horrible cycle every day and, and having no choice, that food was my drug of no choice. I had no choice but to continue eating and starving myself and engaging in inappropriate food behaviors you know, I had to go, I had to get up and, and get through the steps, you know, because I had to have, like, throughout this book, um, the, our, our textbook, it doesn't say we need to change our life a little. It doesn't say we need a little bit of a surface makeover. You know, we need to have our life revolutionized. And for me, that meant getting unrooted, getting, getting pulled up from my roots of how I was living and engaging in an entirely new way of living my life so that two bottles and oblivion were not are not my goal anymore two bottles and oblivion are not a step up they're not an opportunity from how i feel about myself because i have god esteem today i do esteemable acts but not because i've managed but because i'm abstinent by god's loving grace and i was able to surrender like the most powerful thing one of the most powerful lessons i've learned is that i am no longer in management when I get on my knees and I turn my life and my will over to the care of God, you know, I am no longer in management. This is God's life. God, I will accept God's, you know, God, accept whatever comes to me today on God's terms. You know, but I couldn't get there by just staying abstinent, by just doing a, rounding my life out with a little bit of OA. I had to throw my entire heart and soul, and I continue to do that. Thank you, God a day at a time and live in 10, 11, and 12. So if you're new, keep listening and uh, ask lots of questions. You know, if you're on the outskirts of this program, jump in. You know, like God is either everything or he is nothing. You know, if you gave this solution to a bunch of patients on a cancer ward, I think they, they, might, they might all jump in with both feet, you know. And for me, my, my disease is just as desolate, you know. So um, I'm grateful to be here. It's a privilege and an honor and God bless. 
Thank you, Katie. Kim, your turn. Go ahead. Good morning, Monica. Good morning. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Remorse, horror, hopelessness, battle, impending calamity, rising nerves. I mean, this paragraph encompasses two decades of my life. This was the reality that a disease has brought to my life. And I have to tell you, sometimes I'm embarrassed when someone from high school contacts me on Facebook or from college and they say, do you remember when? Because I don't. High school and college is a big blur. Now, if you ask me to recite the menu from Friendly's and all the different options of all the different ice cream sundaes, I could do that because that was high school to me. If you asked me to, to name my teachers, I could probably only name about half of them if I'm lucky because this paragraph encompasses what the disease took from me. You know, my writhing nerves were stilled at last. You know, this restlessness, this irritability, this discontentment, this absolute uncomfortability with life is the true nature of my illness. That is what I cannot handle. And I have found one solution up to this point in my life, and that was the food. And I remember so clearly one of my favorite binge foods was icing. And I would go to the grocery store, and I would buy a tub of icing, and I would buy cake mix because I felt like the grocery, grocery clerk lady would be more comfortable if I bought both. I, both. I always threw out the cake mix because I didn't want it. But the, but the illusion was better if I bought both. And I would be waiting in line, restless, irritable, discontent, anxiety-ridden. And just because I was in the line about to purchase my binge foods, I could feel my shoulders relaxing. I could feel that ah feeling come over me. And I hadn't even eaten anything yet. And by the time she started to check me out, I would throw a couple candy bars on the, on the, the, the um, counter. Because I didn't think I could make it from getting in my car to that few-minute drive home to my parents' house before I could open up that icing. So I need those candy bars to, to munch on them before I got in. My writhing nerves were stilled at last. Should I kill myself? No, not now. Gin was fixed by two bottles of oblivion. Once again, my solution is the food. I come into OA thinking food and weight is my problem. The reality is my problem is restless, irritability, discontentment, a disconnect from my higher power. And my only solution up to this point has been the food. So I don't come in to OA because the food is still working. I come into OA because the food stopped working. My only solution has stopped working. Two bottles in oblivion. Let's think about these last six pages. He's in the coolest jazz clubs enjoying himself. Alcohol is making stuff more exciting. He's in the country club with the hobnobbing with the big wigs, chasing Walter Hagen at the top of his game in the Wall Street market. That is what alcohol gave him. He's at the point that the only thing that alcohol will give him is oblivion. I got to the point that the best that I could hope for, the absolute best I could hope for, was to please God, let me get numb. Let me not feel my feelings. Let me not be aware of the world around me because it is too painful. And let me just end by saying, this is where I lived for two decades. 
This is where I no longer live. These steps have brought me a spiritual awakening sufficient to bring about recovery. So with God and with these 12 steps, I am no longer restless. I am no longer irritable. I am no longer discontent. And because of that, because the obsession has been removed, I no longer want my binge foods. I am not fighting it. I am not doing battle. Being abstinent is a natural consequence of the spiritual work that I do on a daily basis. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Well, this is Monica. This is Bella. Bella. Go ahead, Bella. Good morning. Thank you, Monica. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recover compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for leading this meeting, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. Um, it says here, unforgettable. Yes, I want to remember, to remember where I was, and thank you, God, to remember where I am now, and that I don't want to go back to where I was. So where I was, I was in the, the remorse, the horror, the hopelessness, the black and white thinking, the, 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 taking responsibility, responsibility to the outcomes. Uh, yes, I am responsible. If I am, if I am successful, it means that it's because of me. If I am not successful, it's also because of me. If, if I am, if I have success, it means that I am a good girl. So yay for me. If I am not success, it means that I am a bad girl. So I have to go to the food. I have to punish myself because I don't prove enough. And this is the black and white thinking. If I am good, it means that I can control my eating and I, can, I have willpower not to gain weight. But if I cannot control, I am a bad girl. So it's better for me to go back to the food and to continue and then to feel the remorse because I really don't want to go to the food, but it means that I am not doing enough. So it's again the black and white thinking, either or. And thank you, God. Thank you, God. It's no more. I don't want to be there, and I am not there anymore. Now I know that, yes, I accept and admit that I am powerless. Yes, I am powerless, and it's nothing to do with me. The outcomes are not in my hand. I just have to be connected to God and to do the best what I can one day at a time. And the outcomes, it's really not in my hand. It's thy will, not mine. I, I, I don't want to be responsible of the whole entire world. And I want and I choose to be connected to God because he has the power and not me. And the outcomes are not in my responsibility. And today I thank God, thank God, 
I don't think in black and white. I remember those times. I want to think also in other colors because life are other colors too, not only black and white. And thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. A morning paper, this is Monica. A morning paper told me the market had gone to hell again. Well, so had I. The market would recover, but I wouldn't. That was a hard thought. Should I kill myself? No, not now. Then a mental fog settled down. Gin would fix that. So two bottles and oblivion. You know, Bill's solution is still here, the alcohol. You know, earlier in the story here, alcohol was exhilarating. It was fun. It's no longer fun here in this paragraph. The horror, the remorse, the hopelessness, the impending calamity. So two bottles and oblivion. This is what he's come to. Look at this downward spiral here. Oblivion, unconsciousness, unawareness. He is drinking to just totally get out of everything. And this is only a temporary solution. Because guess what? You wake up again from passing out. And what do you have to do? You have to do it again. Is that not hopelessness? Horror? And it's just amazing here. You think, oh my God, how can you go any further down? And he's going to go down some more. And with that, I pass, and we've come to the end of our time. But I want to say, there is hope. There is a solution. Yay! There's a way out of this. It's called working the steps and getting a relationship with God. Who can overcome this obsession of the mind? And I want to thank everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Sally, could you read a vision for you, please? Yes. <clears throat> Monica, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.